Cool. So all right, we've got Justin from Vest Ascension on. How you doing, Justin? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. Thanks for taking some time to talk to us, dude. Oh yeah, man. No, it's it's like it's a pleasure, man. No problem. Am I supposed to be able to see you guys? <laughs> oh no, sorry. I don't have a webcam yeah. on the. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Just make sure I'm not like everything set up wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, we're good. Yeah, we can at least hear you. So. <laughs> cool. And we're not actually fully closed, so. Yeah, you don't want to see us. You don't want to see us. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, yeah, I hope so. Since you two are in the same room together, yeah, <laughs> which is why we're not wearing clothes, obviously. No. Anyway, um. Justin, this is Jared. Um, why don't we uh, hop in here? Just, uh, I guess, uh, give us a little background on Vestas. Well, yeah, just give us a little background on Vestas Ascension. Um, you know how long this has kind of been in the works. What your, you know, what your marketing strategy has been. How it's going so far. Okay. Um, well, Vest Ascension started, uh, I guess the drummer and I started trying to get a band together about nine years ago. And uh, we switched through probably like 100 members and started using the name Vest Ascension around 2004, 2005. Uh, we had a lineup going then, which uh, just kind of deteriorated, mostly singer-related issues. So basically it just took that time to keep writing and it's uh, kind of like we shut the band down totally. And it just kind of stripped back down to, to myself and the drummer. And I just kept writing and working to build a new lineup. And I didn't want to rush it at all. So it ended up taking years uh, for the new material to come together and to get the appropriate lineup. But like I said, I didn't want to settle or anything. Uh, none of us did. So yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. We recorded everything over the last... Uh, Last three years, I'd say some of the songs we've released so far are pretty old. Um, like this month's one's about seven years old. Wow. Uh, but yeah, that, that's that's pretty much it. We finally got it all together this year. And for marketing, I've uh, just been really working on trying to do some innovative stuff and slowly building up uh, the band's name. Like we run run some advertising and stuff. We have a little bit of Facebook ads going on. Uh, we have some ads with uh, Fixin Media. And a couple other smaller things, and just trying to build that like slowly. Start out just putting a small budget in, and it's just built um, every month. And that with word of mouth has been really great. And I mean, doing things like this, and uh, a lot of the blog and news sites have been covering us, which has been really awesome. Um, yeah, just uh, it's kind of the plan for now. We're we're starting to do some newer stuff uh, on the first day of spring uh we haven't we're getting ready to launch a video that kind of describes what we did it happened i don't think a lot of people noticed but we relaunched our entire website and uh our band photography and every single one of our social networking sites to reflect a spring design and we're going to continue to do that on the first day of each season for just the time that this band exists um so, you know, first day of summer, we're going to have a brand new summer design on everything online, new summer photography, and just keep that going every season. To, again, just kind of like stretching out the, the singles, um, the single tracks really try to keep people's attention. I think that visually it matters just as much as, you know, with the music. So, you know, just, just doing things to try to keep people interested for an entire year. Uh, you know, so that's that's what we're doing right now. We also launched a a seasonal line of merchandise on the first day of spring, uh, which I'm pretty sure we're probably the first band to do something like this. Um, each season's design has a graphic that was designed specifically for the season, but it's also printed on a shirt that's catered to that season. Uh, so, like the summer, you know, shirts like a summer design on a T-shirt, and then you have the winter design which is an actual winter design on a long sleeve, uh, long sleeve hoodie. So we're going to, um, on the first day of fall, we're going to launch another seasonal clothing line and discontinue the one we launched on spring. We're going to continue to do that every year, first day of spring, first day of fall, brand new seasonal clothing line. And then uh, on the first days of summer and winter, we're going to slowly start launching just regular regular uh, merchandise, adding a couple designs. Uh on the first day of each of those, and I started uh, on April 1st. Actually, we released kind of a, uh, an April Fool's video, but really wasn't so much uh, 
I guess, and it, it was kind of an April Fool's thing, but really it was a kind of a marketing test. I'm kind of toying with the idea of trying to get a viral video to actually promote a serious band. I'm not sure, you know, anyone's really tried it. A lot of people that get the viral videos are like really cheesy, shitty artists or people that just aren't like really serious. I've never seen a full-fledged serious band that's very serious about their music that usually doesn't use comedy try to release something uh, and hope it goes viral, which so far it didn't and it probably won't, but it was a... Uh, it was a shot to try it, you know. So just try, just trying to do a lot of new things. That's, I guess, pretty much it so far. And you guys, you're you're pretty much like financing all this on your own, right? Uh, I do, yeah, yeah. I uh, I finance everything. I uh, I bought a house a couple of years ago um, with the intent of building up some equity in it to be able to take out money against it later. Uh, so I took out a pretty sizable sizable loan. Uh, Using that, and then uh, three separate other loans taken out, and then addition to my my life savings, I've been saving my entire life is pretty much spent at this point. But uh, I really don't want to spare any expense. I feel like it's extremely important to have top notch photography and a website, and especially the music first and foremost. Yeah. Um, I just want to come off like a national band, you know, so that to to kind of show that we can compete with national bands, and that so anybody that kind of stumbles upon us. Uh, sort of has maybe a response like, "Whoa, where you know where have I been? How did I not know about these guys? These guys seem huge when really we're not." Uh, <laughs> but yeah. just trying to do everything to to come off like a, a professional, um, you know, band at, at an, the highest level you, you can be. We're trying at least. <laughs> I don't I don't know if we do. <laughs> I like your I like the concept of kind of keeping things fresh, um, relative to what's going on at like the time of the year and stuff. And especially the idea with like the the singles, one, you know, one brand new song every at the first every month. Where did where did those ideas come from? Was that your idea, or did um just kind yeah, of you know, I just you? uh I just really tried to get into the marketing. You know, I have uh, some definite idols like uh, Trent Reznor's definitely a huge idol to me, and I'm a huge fan of Nine Inch Nails. Have been you know going on 18 years now, and Radiohead's another band that I'm big into. So. Obviously, I definitely, uh, you know, I keep up to date frequently with what's going on with every band. I'm like an addict for information, and I uh, definitely saw what they were doing, of course, with some of their things, and it just really sparked my interest years ago to uh, really try to dig down and spend a whole lot of time thinking about it, and, you know, I just I studied marketing for the last four years to really, really get up to date with uh, marketing in, in the current industry, which... Is one thing, you know, some people buy marketing books and stuff, but it really has to be stuff that's, um, you know, written in the last few years because I think marketing has just obviously changed yeah. so much. Um, and that, that's really it, you know. And one of the frustrating things actually was how long, I guess, it took the band to launch because some of the ideas have been around. It, it's it's always very frustrating. Like the, the idea to do a track a month thing literally was an idea from about four years ago. And I feel like if we could have come out with it at that time, would have been a little bit more of a big deal, uh, but you know, it just it, it kind of sucked. It ended up taking years to get it out, so it happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we have a, t a ton more stuff coming up. This is kind of just a very small thing we've released so far. So I've uh, spent a lot more time thinking about stuff since then. So hopefully things will be good this year. You know, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing. I would, you know, because I think as we've we've you know, we've, we've come back to this subject numerous times in terms of, uh, you know, distribution strategies and, and, and marketing and, and stuff like that, you know, is the, is the CD a dead format, isn't it? And, and Nine Inch Nails has definitely come up a few times as, you know, someone that's, that's really driving that, that move into the digital realm, um, you know, from a, from a, from a content and a, and a marketing standpoint, and and I think we we kind of reached the conclusion that you know the the only reason Trent Reznor is able to do that is because of the notoriety he's built. So it's, it's interesting to hear someone, you know, it seems like his is more of kind of a top down, whereas yours is kind of a bottom up. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I, it's, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just it, I I think it's it, it's going to be to say the least interesting to see, you know, how this pans out. You know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's uh we're actually getting ready. I've been working on a video for the last couple of months that's. Kind of going to be a little bit of an introduction to our marketing, kind of a 
introduce some of the things we're doing, which I'll probably have it finished up in about a week, but I kind of touch on what you just mentioned in that video. And I definitely don't believe that, you know, it's it's only possible from people that are already established or, or are in national bands. And I think a lot of what bands do nowadays is just honestly complain and cry and they make excuses and they feel super entitled. They, you know, are still stuck in this dream of wanting a major label deal and they feel like they should have that and be able to toss into be able to get tossed into a studio with, you know, this, this huge producer, and uh, I just think it's ridiculous, you know, I think that people, it's easier to sit back and just totally complain and bitch and whine instead of being like, you know what, there are so many things that are awesome about the way things are now, let's try to, you know, let's try to use it, and I think so far things have been great, you know, the, the way things have been running, uh, obviously it did take some money to get to get the band uh, running, and, you know, I'm tallying a little bit over $100,000 that put into the band right now, uh, which seems like, you know, it seems like a lot, but I mean, so much, so much time has been spent. Like I want things to be so good. You know, if, you know, for example, we went in the studio, uh, three years ago and, you know, I spent thousands of dollars there and ended up pretty much deleting everything because I felt like it could be better. Wow. Uh, so, you know, I really want the best product and, you know, I think it really comes down to how serious you are. You know, I'm yeah. not like a child of a trust fund. I don't get money from my parents or anything. I think that so many musicians and bands these days, like I said, they kind of complain, and they also aren't really very serious. Like when I talk about being serious in the music industry, I am like serious about this being my career. Like you know, I'm gonna be 30 years old this year. Like I'm just, I'm totally not fucking around. Uh, pardon the direct language, but I'm like very serious about this. You know, regardless of how this band goes, 30 years from now, I'm still gonna be doing. Uh, music, you know, one of the loans I took out for this band, I'm not going to pay off until I'm 59 years old. So, uh, you know, I was a 30-year home equity loan. I mean, I just think, uh, you know, so many bands say they're serious. You know, you run into, uh, I've seen it on tour tons of times. I, everyone I meet locally, just you constantly hear, like, I'm so serious, man. This is totally my career, man. Like, this is it. And then, you know, I've been in bands with people like that where it's like, all right, well, can we contribute to a band fund? How about, can we even do $20 a month? And it's just like, no man, I mean that's yeah. it's a lot of money, dude. You know, I mean I don't know, man. I gotta buy weed and yeah. beer and shit, and uh, buy gas to get to practice. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, and then you know, it, it's, yeah, and then it becomes, can I borrow some money from the band fund to buy gas to get to practice? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's totally asinine, and that's that's kind of why I got to the point here uh, with this band. I really like some of the other dudes in the band. I mean, they definitely have some money and everything, but I really wanted to totally just kind of do this on my own also for just the sheer fact that I'm kind of known to take big risks and one of my frustrations in other bands I've been in where we did did all contribute equally and put some money in is that I always want to take huge risks you know and uh, I think other people just might not see things like you know the other dudes in the band definitely definitely all think that I'm pretty crazy uh, so I just you know I, I kind of feel like you know sometimes in life you have to take big risks so when you have other people investing, if I had four other people in the band putting in their money equally, obviously they would equally have say in what that we did with that money. And I just kind of, uh, I've kind of sat back my whole life and with this project I really wanted, you know, I've had a lot of ideas and stuff that I wanted to implement and just never could. So this time around, uh, I just want to do whatever that I want to do kind of thing. Cool. If you're not going to contribute to the beer fund, don't complain about what's in the fridge. Yeah. You know, it is, uh, you know, I don't drink. <laughs> Back, uh, I quit smoking re weed. I, I drive like the biggest piece of shit car you could ever imagine. It's just, uh, you know, I, I try to like everything goes into the band, and I just, you know, I eat ramen every day and just cut corners everywhere else, you know. Yeah. Well, good for you for sticking to your guns with the production quality. That that's come up a couple times in the past with other bands we've talked to. Also, um, Hemlock. I don't know if you're familiar with Hemlock. They, you know, they're one of the hardest working bands. They've done for many many years. They did everything kind of on their own without any kind of label support but um but we talked to them a few months ago and they they had the same thing with their uh their album that they're working on now is they kind of did everything you know in the studio or they were listening to it it just was not up to par and they scrapped everything you know and um and while they were saying that they they mentioned that the same thing happened with machine head and uh burn my eyes i think is the album same thing happened the whole thing was scrapped and, and totally redone and you know, I like you said, big risks, you know, have to be taken. And sometimes that's one of the biggest ones is to, 
you know, literally like dump all of the work you've put into recording and start over. And, uh, but I, I think, you know, when it comes to bands and music, if it doesn't sound good, you know, that's a huge deterrent for people. And, um, so yeah, like I said, good, good for you, man, for sticking to your guns. Cause your stuff, it sounds really, really good. The production quality is uh, top notch. Oh, dude, thank, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. I mean, well, the whole presentation I, uh, is just sleek. What's that? The whole presentation is just sleek. You know what I mean? Just that uh, was something because I, I think the only reason, the only way we, we actually heard about this was because we, you know, we're on Fiction's uh, network, and so I think your banner ad actually popped up on our site. Yep. And that was that was the way I found out. But yeah, I mean, just going over to the site and 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 just looking at all that being, uh, you know, self-produced and self-funded is really, it's uh, it's admirable to say the least. Yeah. Dude, thank you so much, man. And uh. I think it was Cody that was just talking about the quality of uh, music with bands. I mean, that is like the big thing, you know. Even if I could only scrape together a little bit of money, it would absolutely go to the recording before anything else, you know. Like, yeah. I, I just don't understand bands that. This is like it's, it's this is your product, you know. Exactly. It's, there's there's millions of bands out there, all trying to get everyone's attention. Like the internet has been both good and bad, and to me, I see the downside of the internet is that it's free, and MySpace is free. And any dipshit in their bedroom can go get a two hundred dollar recording program, or just download a hack for one. And all of a sudden, you know, they plunk down a couple shitty ass, you know, out of tune guitars and some shitty, you know, drum samples or whatever. All of a sudden, they have a, you know, a MySpace page, and uh, multiply that times a million, and it just really chokes out and makes it hard for people that are serious. You know, I, I wish that some of those websites, even if some of those websites charge ten dollars for an artist page, that would deter. So many people yeah. that think that's a lot of money to spend, though. The the entire wizard rock genre would fall apart. <laughs> I, yeah. I, Dude, think, just... I think Gent would fall apart, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but that's, like, the thing. I mean, the, the Gent thing, I mean, the production. I mean, like, Periphery, obviously, are super, super good friends of mine. And uh, their shit sounds ridiculous, though. I mean, Misha has been working on that mix for, I think, like, a freaking decade or something. I mean, yeah. that is, like, totally cool. And I record a ton of stuff here in, in my house, and... uh you know, I, I've been recording for, fuck, man, I don't even know, 15 years, and I just finally, over the last year, have felt comfortable enough with what did I do to even start recording stuff here, because I'm just such a stickler, like, I just don't get it, man. Like I said, these, these bands just release utter shit, you know, and it's just like, that's not going to get you anywhere. It's hard enough yeah. to get anywhere now. You think handing out some piece of shit CD that's burnt on a CDR is the worst recording ever. With you know your your fucking name written on in Sharpie on it. I mean, right. what the hell do you think that's going to do for you, really? Yeah. You know, and you, you design your your MySpace with MS Paint, and your little sister uses her like Kodak Coolpix camera to take your your fucking band photography. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, and these are the same people that are just like, man, you know, just wait, man, Roadrunner, dude, they're they're totally going to call, bro, and uh, yeah. You know, they're going to put us in the studio with Rick Rubin and shit, man. It's going to be, like, legit, dude. We're going to open for, like, Tool and shit, man. It's going to yeah. be fucking awesome. That is exactly how I was in high school. And I wasn't even in a band at that time. Like, it was, like, it was my dream, you know what I mean? Like, and that was that was totally my attitude. I was, like, as soon as I graduate, I'll be in a band. And two years max, I will be, like, world famous. You know, I had I was so incredibly naive. I had no idea how how hard it is to actually you know, get to that level, so... Dude, it's, it's totally true, you know, I, I was the same way when I was younger, man, I mean, I started playing guitar in high school, and I remember, I remember when I was about 20, giving myself a deadline where I was like, alright, yeah. by the time I'm 25, you know, if I'm not, like, doing national touring and stuff, then, you know, I'd give it up by then, which is, like, hilarious, because I never would, but I totally thought it was going to be easier, yep. you know, I expect things to be different, and uh, I think one of the things that, uh, you know, Vest Ascension has going for it, other than, you know, our one singer uh, being 23, the rest of us are all very seasoned, older dudes, you know. Three of us are 30 this year. Uh, one dude's like 60, I mean uh, 35. You know, we've been there, we've done that. I've had four or five times I've been in bands that started to do really well and then major letdown has come. Like, we're very appreciative this time around and just very grounded, you know, about this kind of shit. It's just, you know, uh, we don't have, our, my expectations are literally for the year. I would be thrilled. Like it's just growing every month. You know, our our downloads and everything. Just every month is beating the month before it. I mean, and the numbers now are just so good. If that just slowly builds for the rest of the year, and a little bit of word of mouth spreads, and 
you know, by the end of the year we have a decent amount of fans, like, I would be thrilled with that. You know, I'd feel so successful and, like, accomplished, you know, and that's really it. Yeah, it's good stuff. I'm, you know, I've been uh, been posting a lot of the vids and telling people about it, so. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Cool. Well, um, past the band plug thing, let's move on to the discussion section. Um, I sent you the article that we were talking about on the last episode about how the singles are going to drive the music industry and, and or how it might be like the saviors of the music industry. So, and that seems to be you know right in line with what you're doing. I mean, you got you got a chance to read that, I assume. I absolutely did, and I, I 100% agree with that article, just like tenfold. You know, it's about 100%. You know, it's it's totally right on all fronts. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things, like, for our kind of music in particular, I think, even releasing a CD, I, I don't think people even pay attention to the CD anymore, you know, so many bands, they release, and everyone's just got ADD, and they're crazy, and, you know, they'll play through it once, and the first couple tracks that catch, catch their ear, the first ones, they don't really, you know, how many albums have you got that really have been, like, growers, or your favorite track ended up being one you didn't even like the first time around. You know, but all of a sudden it was like a revelation six months down the line. I don't think people, the majority of people really don't experience that anymore. And for things like, you know, our kind of music, I mean, releasing it one track at a time is just so good because it gives people time to digest it. There's a lot of layers, a lot of stuff going on. It's longer. It's a little bit proggier. I think if we'd have released all 12 tracks on an album, we just would not be doing that well. I think a lot of people would have skipped tracks. People would just wouldn't have paid attention. You know, if they heard one track, they'd have got it just to get you know, like foliage or whatever, and then the rest of the shit would have been set aside. So I, I totally agree. I think the single is the, the way to go. You know, there's always going to be a few bands that have concept albums that people want to hear. You know, like Opeth, I'm sure, is, is absolutely one, and Tool's a band that I think a lot of their fans will go for the album. Uh, but, you know, we're going to release an album at the end of the year. We're going we're gonna to put all 12 songs together. We're going to uh, throw... A bonus track on there is going to have really awesome. We're going to do two versions. One that has really awesome artwork. It's kind of like a deluxe one. That's going to be like a limited number. It's going to have a lot of really cool stuff with it. And then another one's going to be very cheaply made in the sense that like it's going to be a professionally printed disc, but it's going to be in a cardboard sleeve. We're going to sell it like for probably four bucks or something. So people have two options. Somebody can get a really cheap one just to get the disc, or uh, you know, so we're going to, you know they can get the really nice one. So we're going to drop an album at the end of the year. Uh, and you know, a lot of people have asked for it, and if they want it. They can have it too. In addition to the you know single tracks. <laughs> yeah. Do you think? And this is on the kind of kind of a follow up to what you were saying about you know how it you know the idea of you know releasing these tracks and not you know a month at a time will kind of force people to spend more time with the songs. Do you think on the flip side that that kind of pushes you uh, to to put out a more quality product to make them want to spend that time? Because, well, I just you know one thing I was thinking about, it, and I think we were talking about this in the last episode too, and I, and I think that that kind of goes to to your point that it's like you know there's so many so many CDs I can just rattle off you know just right now that I can say where yeah there were like two or three really good songs and the rest of them literally sounded like filler you know it's not that like I just didn't like it it just sounded like a shit song that they just threw on there because they had a you needed to fill the You know, space. they had a contract for an LP, not an EP, and it was just it's like, okay, we're just going to write we're going to write these four or five throwaway tracks and and that'll be it and we're going to put out an album. We're totally. at, I mean, yeah. So that kind of that really kind of forces you to you, you guys can't get away with that as a band, right. you, you know. That's that's totally true and uh, you know, a lot of the stuff you read about why the industry kind of turned to shit and why people sort of revolted is, you know, they they are paying $24 for a CD and it would have that one single they wanted, and the rest of the tracks were just stuffed on there by the record company and were shit, and so many bands do release stuff like that nowadays, and it absolutely does keep us on our toes. I mean, uh, I won't release a, a track. Like, my, my filter is very, very high. I mean, the track we just released in April, we had a couple problems. It was delayed a couple of days. I mean, I literally was tracking guitars. I wanted to redo them again. I mean, you know, three days before the song, four days before the song, uh, went to went to mastering. I just uh, was still working on it. I mean, that's one of the things you can't release filler when you're releasing a track a month. I mean, yeah, each one is going to be in the spotlight. If right. if you follow up something with like a total piece of shit or just some shit you put together, I mean, yeah. you're you're fucked for that whole month. Exactly. You can't you can't be like, 
well, this month sucks, but just come back next month because next month will be <laughs> awesome because people will be like, eh. And then they'll forget about you next month. They they won't remember, you know? Yeah. So, it's yeah. It's just like one tank, man. It can just can fuck you up, you know? And uh, I totally know there's going to be people that are, of course, going to prefer one track over the other. And we're actually getting ready. Uh, the May release, everyone's going to see you. We're really switching up styles. Uh, so far, everything's kind of been uh, the same sort of sound, the same sort of kind of production to it. Uh, similar kind of thing, a little, a little bit different stuff thrown in each track. The next track, we're really starting at that point. Gonna uh, really switch it up because that's the thing too about keeping it interesting. Uh, you know, a lot of my favorite bands, like Radiohead's a great example of one that, man, they can do. It's totally incredible. They can do a sketched out electronic track or like a full rock track and anything in between, and they still retain the sound where you like instantly know it's Radiohead. Yet they can do so much shit, and that's kind of a one thing with this project too was to have no limitations on what that we created. So if you know if we write a death metal song, it, if it comes naturally, then we're gonna you know record it and release it. Or if we write you know some shitty pop song, uh, we might release that too. It just uh, <laughs> I don't want to put any limitations. I mean, it obviously has to be like something that you know we all believe in. But um, right. I think that's really gonna help uh, keep the year really varied and keep people maybe on the edge of their seat, really kind of wondering maybe what'll come next. I hope. Yeah, for sure. I'm lo- well, I'm looking forward to the Grindcore month whenever you get to that, so it'll be awesome. You guys recorded a full string section for this next one, right? Is that a video I saw you post? Yeah, yeah. Yep, we, uh, wow. you know, I had programmed the strings. Uh, the next track, everything had been done in my studio here except for the vocals, and the strings were programmed, and I ended up going through and reprogramming programming them again. It sounded really good, and, uh, you know, I just thought about it and was like, you know, this is bullshit, man. I'm not a big fan of uh, using backing track lives. That's something that we, we won't do if we go live. I'm not a big fan of really cheating. You know, I do use electronic stuff when that I can, but in a sense like that, it's just like, you know, fuck it. I mean, the next track we're going to release, we're all, like, super stoked about. Uh, I'm, like, really excited to release it. It's, I'm really interested to see what, you know, people think of it that are already into the other stuff. And, uh, you know, just want it to be, like, the absolute best it can be and I think that has a little bit of validity and kind of goes against what everybody else is doing right now you know everyone's into software 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 I mean all of our drums are analog uh yeah I'm not opposed to it you know I do use the axe effects for some stuff which is obviously a digital uh piece of gear but you know I kind of want to keep things you know sounding that way our stuff too isn't mastered to be very loud we're trying to keep almost like a um an older analog kind of thing going in the sense that, you know, we're not trying to, like, compete with this loudness war and everybody's slamming the shit out of their CDs, and it's very, it's very, um, fatiguing on your ears, you know, trying to listen to a whole CD that is just slammed to the hilt, like, uh, a lot of the metal CDs are nowadays, it's just a couple songs, it's like, okay, I get it. <laughs> shit off. And, I get it, you're angry, cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't even realize why they get tired of a CD, and I think it's just... It's unfortunate, you know, it's just nothing has any punch anymore. I mean, before shit was slammed, when a part was like a clean channel and like kind of like a slow part in a song, it was like lower. And then when the heavy part kicked in, it like actually was louder and had dynamics. And nowadays it's like the clean, mellow parts are just as as loud as the heavy parts. And it's just, I don't know, man, it's it's a frustration of mine personally. I guess I'm like an old head, you know. Now the fatigue, the fatigue can definitely set in if they're. Uh, I know. I think I even told the guys from Flesh God Apocalypse when we interviewed them that I had to take a break after like the fifth track of listening to their, <laughs> to their first CD because it was just Bleh! like just like all right, I got to take a break and come back to this because this is too much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Cody actually told me that about. Um, he was checking you guys out earlier in the week, and he said it. I, I can't remember exactly how you said it, Cody, but something about. Um, it's like you want to decimate your eardrums with havoc and then repair them with vest ascension. <laughs> yes, <laughs> something to that effect. Yes. That's a compliment. Uh, Thank you. You know, <laughs> no problem. That's, that's you know, I guess it's possible in the sense that our music isn't like, I mean, just so much of the stuff coming. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, it's so slammed, and we really want to try to do like the opposite of what every band band's doing. Man, I just. I'm not like uh, into being a bandwagon jumper. Obviously, some of the stuff we're gonna do, other bands have done totally. I mean, but 
I just, uh, I think it's cool to go against things. You know, so many people fly into the trends. Like the, the gent scene is like a perfect example. I mean, uh, yeah, I think Periphery, not just because I'm friends with them. I think they're the best at what did they do. Uh, and it's, it's something that I think it's kind of like the iPhone, you know. I think that it's a good parallel. When that came out, the other phone companies, you know, they, they sat back and they were like, holy shit, this is awesome. And what they should have done to, to beat the iPhone is they should have gone into development and worked on their own idea and come out with something. Because when you're trying to chase what somebody else is already doing and doing well, all that's happened is each new iPhone comes out just when the other companies think they're going to catch up. And it blows away the other ones, and everything they do pretty much is kind of like a subpar exactly. iPhone almost. And it's the same kind of thing with Periphery. I think that, you know, or any genre, like how new metal called on or whatever, it's like, you know, you should hear their work and be like, that's really awesome. They're totally unique and original. Now, how can I go, you know, become totally unique and original? As opposed to like, God, this flooded gent band is just, it's really sickening me and pissing me off, man, because <laughs> it just sounds like, they, they put the periphery CD in, in the fucking studio, and they're A-being the mixes, and it's like, all right, how's our snare sound? Okay, listen to the periphery one. Okay, we're not there yet. Increase about 3K in the treble. All right, we almost have periphery snare sound. You know, and it's just, yeah. it's like, fuck, man, get, you, get your own sound, dude. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's a good analogy with the iPhone. Uh, this all ties in because at the beginning of the show, I referenced the Nintendo 3DS, and it's the same thing with Nintendo. Always, Nintendo has been the innovators. Everybody else kind of, you know, Microsoft and Sony kind of it's just like you said you know it's 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 kind of funny when you see some companies kind of scramble to catch up and like oh my god this you know we got to do something like this that just came out and that whole time that they're trying to figure it out you know nintendo's creating something new and exciting so that you know they're always ahead of the game and it, it is kind of funny like why don't you know why don't, why don't these companies try to do their own unique original thing to 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 stay out you know come out on top that's totally true, man. I mean, that's what, you know, you're going to be recognized. I mean, bands that have a unique sound are almost so rare nowadays. I mean, you think back to, like, like Rage Against the Machine is an example of a band. You can tell within three seconds of hearing a new track. Like, if a new Rage Against the Machine, Machine track came out tomorrow, I could tell within the first three seconds of Tom Morello playing guitar that, holy shit, that's a Rage Against the Machine song. Right. Or, like, a Tool song. I mean, or, like, Alice in Chains is something I can instantly recognize. I mean, so many bands I could list. And that is just like a rarity with new bands, you know. They come out and, particularly like radio rock. I'm not, I'm not even gonna get started on that, man. I mean, that shit is just like ridiculously cloned. But uh, yeah, it's just, you know, I think that Apple has achieved that, and Nintendo is a great example, man. I mean, I love Nintendo's products, and I love reading about the Wii coming out. How that everyone said Nintendo was done. Nintendo was done. It's all about graphics and right. all this shit. And Nintendo was like, man, it's about immersing people and playability and fun. And uh, the Wii just came out, and it's fucking destroyed. Yeah. And that's one of the big things with Apple. If you ever read about Steve Jobs, I mean, people, like, uh, you know, you or I, we could actually, he, he puts his email address out there, and we can actually email him, and he's known for, still to this day, responding to random people's emails. And Apple's point of view, you know, people can love him or hate him, but their point of view is constantly to listen to what people want and give that to him. And I think so many other people in every business just spend so much time developing shit and telling people that's what they want and, you know, trying to cram it down their throat. So I, I think that's why Apple's ahead, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, you can listen to me. I want some grindcore from Vest Ascension. No, I'm, I'm just messing with you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing He's with lying. You. He doesn't even like grindcore. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the, I like the, end of the, the end of the one track, I don't know if you guys checked out Endless Voyage, I mean, that got pretty heavy, you know, that's yeah. about as heavy as we're going to go now, uh, at least in the foreseeable future, and that got a few people, I think, excited that we were going to go heavy for the next stuff, but, you know, I, there could definitely be stuff as heavy as that or heavier in the future, I mean, absolutely, you know, it fit the song, and that's really what matters to me. Right. Um, you kind of hinted a little bit at it earlier, but um, do you got, do you have plans to do any touring, or... or... Not so much right now. Uh, that's you know that's kind of another thing. Just from maybe being older and jaded, I think some of the other guys actually do want to really want to play live, and I do. I guess I'm just uh, I'm just kind of jaded, you know. I'm sort of over the whole, and it's nothing against bands that are doing it, and I'm not snobby towards thing, but towards these things. But I just think it's pointless, you know. I've done the whole thing where 
you pack up all your shit and you go play a bar for three people. And, you know, I've done quite a bit of touring. I booked entire tours by myself where, you know, a lot of the shows are just bars. And a lot of it is just kind of a, really, it's kind of pointless. Like, I'm over trying to sell a minimum amount of tickets. Uh, I think a lot of bands get out there before there's any demand. I feel like a lot of bands feel like their band is more important than anybody else does. For It's kind of like this imaginary line that happens where at some point if your band's doing well, there's this, this line that you transcend where all of a sudden your band means more to your fans than it does to you. And you have people that you know have their poster review on their wall and know your dog's name and shit. And uh, it gets like creepy. But before that... <laughs> yeah, they think they're important, but they're not in... I, I, I try to tell people, like, everywhere you go and every band you talk to across the country all thinks it's their local scene. They all make excuses for why nobody comes out. And I try to tell people, like, you want a sobering reminder? Like, you should be able to, as a band, to sell tickets to your show, you should be able to put a, a fucking link up on your site, advertise the show, and people should show up. If you're selling tickets for less than what that you pay, if you're delivering tickets to people's fucking houses... If you're begging your mom and your brother and your, your your grandma to come out to the show just to meet the minimum amount of numbers, the really harsh reality that you know you have to face is that nobody wants to see your fucking band like, at all. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not de- delusional at all. I know that a very small amount of people want to see Vest Ascension right now. And for the kind of stuff that we're doing, uh, you'll see more as the year goes on. Tons of different stuff. For us to go live, uh, it's totally possible. You know, the people in this band were also brought in and uh, you know made a part of the project because of how unbelievably talented they are in a live aspect. So we can pull it off. It's just going to require a, a keyboard player being hired as well. I do want to require, or I mean, I do want to hire some some string people. We're probably going to need a third guitar player. Uh, these are things that, you know, to get seven of us up on stage, you know, it really wouldn't work. I don't think our sound would really work in a bar. It's not yeah. worth a it would take six months of practicing for us to pull this shit together and uh, deliver it the way we wanted to deliver it. And it's like, why would we do that? You know, start, you know, six months practicing now to go start playing bars and shit. Like, we're not going to go live unless there is a demand. You know, the rest of the year has to go really good. Um, some of the advertising I'm doing, like on Fixin uh, Media or Fiction and uh, <clears throat> Facebook is uh, a good chunk of it's targeted to Maryland, where we're from, hoping that. We can kind of, you know, get our feet wet by doing some local shows maybe by the end of the year. And there'll be a bigger demand in our home state for it. And, you know, we kind of have to draw the line. We're giving away the music for free. The merchandise is priced really cheap. Right now we're giving away all the proceeds from that to, you know, the American Red Cross. So to go live is where we, we – I do want to make money. Obviously, we have to make money at some point uh, in lives where that's going to be. So I want to make sure before we go out there we're actually going to get fucking paid for the effort we're going to put in. So – yeah. You know, the only exception would be if we got offered a tour or could put one together with um, a pretty sizable band that would be really suited to our genre, then we would get out. You know, I'd get out tomorrow if I could put something like that together. So, yeah. Too bad ISIS broke up. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have my eyes on some bands. I think that, uh, you know, we do really good with Dredge. I think we do really good with Porcupine Tree. Uh, I think we do really good with Perfect Circle. That's like, of course, a pipe dream. Uh, I think we do good. Maybe opening for Muse or Kill Switch. Maybe I, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of bands that, uh, you know, uh, we would appeal to. So, you know, I can see, almost see the Muse thing. I'm not gonna lie. What's that? I can almost see the Muse thing. I'm not gonna lie. That would that would be a good package. Yeah, it's it's possible. You know, I think that a lot of people that are fans of those bands, like I know I am, and I know a lot of my friends are. You know, I'm a fan of Muse and Radiohead and. I'm also a fan of, you know, Meshuga, and I feel like a lot of the fans that are, you know, of course, you get some people that are meatheads that are into Meshuga or, you know, Peripheries fans. Some of them are definitely metalheads. But a lot of people that listen to a certain, I think certain bands that put a lot of quality in what they do, I tend to find that they're people that listen to, like, a ton of shit. You know, I think that if we opened up for Muse, we're maybe not stylistically like them, but I feel like their fans are probably people that, also listen to Tool and also listen to, you know, you know, Radiohead and maybe Opeth and uh, I feel like for a lot of those bands that 
you know, that have very intelligent fans that are putting out quality stuff, uh, they're very open-minded people. I mean, I'm like that. I know everybody in the band's like that. A lot of people you meet out on tour like that. Uh, you know, I like Meshuggah as much as I like Beethoven, and I listen to a lot of shit in between. So, you know. Yeah, it seems, it seems like it seems like though with Muse though they're, they're kind of the uh, the bridge for a lot of metalheads I've noticed. Just you know watching message boards and stuff, it seems to be like the one like kind of lighter band that a lot of uh, a lot of the guys that you know listen to the harder stuff will actually cop to. You know. Yeah, yeah that's you know that's true, and I think uh, I think they've had some heavier songs, Stockholm Syndrome, which is my favorite song by them. Definitely grooves and has some rhythm shit in there, and. I think for some of their stuff, uh, even more of their maybe more rockish songs, they always have a hard groove and a nice beat to their shit, you know? So I think that appeals to people that are into that kind of shit, you know? Daigle really liked their track in Twilight. Oh, of course. Actually, <laughs> I, I, I actually um, I'm a little behind. I haven't seen any of the Twilight movies. i got to get <laughs> caught up on that shit. I, I, I don't have any qualms about admitting that I enjoy the Twilight books. The movie, because I enjoy the you. books. <laughs> I'll kill you. Who said that? Was that my imagination? I Seriously, Stephanie Meyer's a great writer. I, a lot of people might disagree, but I, I she sucked me in with her um, with her writing. It was, And so because I like the movies, I mean the books so much, I get into the movies. I will be honest though, I do not like that Muse song. I'm not like a huge fan of theirs. The, the, there's a couple other songs I've heard, <laughs> coincidentally, on other Twilight movie soundtracks from the from Muse, and um, and I can get into them, but I don't like that super massive black hole song. At God, all. I mean, are there that many? It's like Muse, like the uh, official the band of Twilight, Twilight or something. Yeah, they are because and and uh, damn you, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, I know you just hate on this, but uh, yeah, if if you if you you know do any kind of research on Stephanie Meyer at all, she's very quick to mention that they are Muse is like her number one cure for writer's block. So um, that's why I I really think that's why they end up on I think they're on every soundtrack so far for all the Twilight movies because wow. she's she's a tremendous fan of theirs and that's awesome. Yeah, I was enraged when I found out. Bit. like literally Why? like I, I don't know like i just i was so mad like because I, I had the cd and i just i was listening to the car because like, my wife doesn't listen to metal so I, I try to keep like lighter stuff in the car for when she's riding along with me and i i happen to have uh, that album in my car and um i hadn't even seen twilight yet but she'd seen it in the theater and uh that song was playing and she's like why do you have this song and I'm like, I'm like, what are you talking about? And she told me, and I was like, I almost went off the road. Like, my vision went red. I'm like, motherfucker. Why? Come on, Jared. <laughs> Calm down, Jared. <laughs> Drink another fresco. Stuff. I mean, you like what you like, you know? Yeah. Def Leppard, uh, Hysteria is one of my favorite albums of all time. And That's I a great song. All the fucking time, but. Yeah. Hysteria is a great song. That, that fucking Hysteria riff. is like my favorite song on the album. And I mean, Mutt Lang, definitely one of my favorite producers. I think, uh. I think if that song or if that album was remixed today and they just redid the drum sounds because that kind of sounds the most dated to me, I think that album would fucking sound incredible. I mean, the vocal production on that, when, when you think about, this is true of a lot of old, older bands, people that do those kind of harmonies and shit that didn't have fucking auto-tune and all that, that you know, the little tricks and bullshit. Yeah. It's fucking incredible, dude. It's just incredible, the harmony on that CD. is so in key. I mean, they, they've said before the process for that album. I mean, they had to fucking do a million takes like Mutt Lang was ridiculous about it but it fucking shows man it's ridiculous dude yeah <laughs> well, I'm not gonna lie I was actually I was listening to that song um at work the other day and uh I was actually wish I was I was actually secretly wishing to myself that someone would actually bring that drum tone back I actually like it yeah <laughs> a huge fucking reverb it's on just, everything yeah it's just huge it, it sounds thick like I'm just I'm a big fan of like a good beat and a good you know rhythm section and i just you know the the better that sounds like like nothing pisses me off even nothing pisses me off more than when like you have like like say like a death metal album where you have like these insane blast beats and they just sound hollow as shit you know what i mean like i like i like a thick drum sound and so i was i was listening to hysteria and i was just like this is i wish somebody would just just once just do like a modern metal album blast beats and all with that kind of tone i think that would just sound Huh. incredible i don't know why i just 
totally would be ridiculous. I mean, I've honestly, uh, we've been toying around, toying with the idea of doing a cover, and man, I tried to get a Def Leppard song in there, like a mofo, uh, something off Hysteria, and everybody else thinks I'm pretty gay in the band for that <laughs> one, but uh, they kind of refuse to even do it. But <clears throat> we've been toying with the idea, and uh, actually, nobody really knows yet, it's kind of in the developing thing. Uh, Spencer from Periphery and I are working on a cover project where we're going to release uh, some, we're, we're just kind of putting together our favorite songs and we're recording uh, a bunch of covers we're just going to release for the fuck of it. So uh, I definitely think you're going to see a Def Leppard one in there because Spencer's my dog, man. He loves Def Leppard like I do, so nice. fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> it may interest you to know, I don't think I told you, but we uh, on this episode we're actually clipping in a uh, an interview I did with Periphery like two weeks ago. So. Oh, awesome. Actually, I had a chance to sit down with Spencer and uh, Alex and Matt, so you get to hear that when you hear the episode. Yep. Awesome. Fucking love those dudes, man. Yeah, they're all they're all really nice guys. They were that was probably I mean, most of the most of the metal bands we've talked to have been pretty cool, but the, the, these guys were just so like affable. Not to sound like snobby, but just, you know what I mean? They were yeah. just so cool and down to earth and really excited to talk well to spoken. us. Well so, spoken. Yeah. <laughs> Very they really are, man. I mean, I, uh, I don't know if you guys know or not, I was their tour manager for almost two years. So I went out on the road with them for quite a long time. And uh, I've known those guys for uh, some of them. I mean, man, I mean, I remember when Periphery didn't even have their first vocalist. And then, you know, the, uh, they had Jake and, of course, Casey after that. I mean, I've uh, been friends with some of those dudes for, for so long. So it's really awesome. I mean, their career is just blowing the fuck up. Which, yeah. Really great man they, they totally deserve it they busted their fucking ass for it man so yeah they mentioned uh they just had their first time in europe and they were selling out shows headlining selling out shows first time in europe i was that's impressive so oh, fucking destroyed in europe man i mean they yeah they sold out the majority of their tour was sold out over their headlining which yeah it's fucking amazing you know no shit well i've got a kind of odd uh off uh oddball question for you, Justin, um, I, I saw this on uh, Facebook, and I've been meaning to try to add it to our list of regular interview questions. But uh, if you could, if you could like assemble the ultimate sort of super group, <laughs> like four to five band members, living or dead, who would it be? Man, that's a good one. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, can I just say Tool? <laughs> <laughs> you can. <laughs> Enough said, I guess. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, tell us about your weekend. If oh, you're... man, it was a fucking crazy weekend, man. Uh, definitely one of the most surreal things that's ever happened. Uh, I'd actually met Adam a couple years ago. Super nice guy, man. Just really nice back then. Uh, so this weekend was something I really didn't think was going to happen until I got out there. We have a, a mutual friend and... Uh, I don't even know what to say, man. It was crazy, dude. Yeah. Seeing stuff inside the house, like, you know, he's got stuff from, you know, he did he did special effects for Terminator and Predator and Jurassic Park. I mean, he's got some of the Terminator shit. Of course, a ton of, like, Alex Gray stuff and a lot of stuff from the Tool videos. I mean, uh, it was fucking ridiculous, man. It really, uh, the, the whole thing, I, I was there for almost about 10 hours or so, maybe. Uh, we watched we watched WrestleMania. That was kind of what everyone was there for, and uh, <laughs> it was just crazy, man. I mean, sitting on a couch with like me and four other dudes, and that really being it in this theater room, you know, at, at like one point in the day it was like so crazy. With one of them being Adam Jones, who was like sitting right fucking next to me, it was uh, <clears throat> I didn't act like a cheesy retard, you know. I uh, kind of kept it really, really low key, being in this like personal house and everything. I mean, I wouldn't, you know. Just totally kept a low key, but I'll tell you, inside I was dying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, for the for the I guess for the super group, man, I would definitely have to say Maynard on vocals. I mean, he's definitely uh, my favorite lyricist and singer. Uh, for guitar, maybe Jerry Cantrell. Uh, God, drums would have to be Danny Carey, man. He's, he's definitely my favorite drummer. And for bass. Uh, this is also quick to think of. Uh, I think maybe Dirk Lance, the original bass player in Incubus, uh, would be pretty fucking awesome in there. I mean, Make Yourself is definitely one of my favorite albums, too. His bass playing is totally ridiculous. And for second guitar, uh, 
We'll just say, uh, think for a second here. Fuck. Uh, Jesus Christ. Phil Collin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some, uh, say, say the dude from Dredge, man. That would be. Or, no, you know what? No, fuck it. Billy Howardell. There it is. There you go. <laughs> Third guitar. Good work. Uh, be, would be the master of Dredge there. Uh, I think his name is Mark. Uh, pretty sure about that, but yeah, that would be fucking sick right there. There, there's my band lineup. Cool. <laughs> right on. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Fourth guitar would have to be Dave Gilmore. <laughs> Fourth guitar. <laughs> <laughs> guitar is my dream band. That would. You end up looking like uh, Spinal Tap when they did that. Uh, they did Big Bottoms at that Earth show or whatever. <laughs> you guys remember that? Yeah. They, yeah. they had like 40 bases on the stage. <laughs> oh, James Hetfield uh, on the bass. <laughs> the, uh, Robo the, Trujillo on the bass. <laughs> Bono the, on the bass. <laughs> big four performance that, uh, that uh, you know, the fucking wherever the fuck the big four performance was. Uh, God damn it, I can't think of where they all came up on stage and played, played the... Uh, um, the fucking track together, Am I Evil? You know how it had like every fucking band up there it had you know Metallica and Megadeth and everything. My my, my super group would kind of look like that, I think. Yeah, just a ton of people. <laughs> just can't pick, man. That's a crazy question. I mean, it'd have to have two singers, maybe Lane Staley with Maynard. That would uh, I don't cool. know. That would make for some weird harmonies. Yeah, for sure. Be the most ridiculous shit. Well, you'd have Jerry Cantrell on guitar, so it'd have all those three part harmonies that would just blow your fucking mind. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome cool man well do you have anything else Jared no I'm good yeah I think we might be wrapping up our episode do you mind uh, Justin we're, we're trying to like be you know on the up and up with playing other people's music do can, do you mind if we play like a, one of your songs in its entirety on the show here absolutely not no of course man you fucking Sweet. play on a fucking loop for 48 hours man that'd be awesome <laughs> i didn't think i didn't think you'd mind seeing how you know you have it on Bandcamp for free and everything but yeah. like uh just wanted to you know anyway uh yeah so we'll we'll throw a song on here before the show's over but yeah thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us man yeah, definitely man fun. thank you dude no problem man it's been it's been a pleasure thank you so much for uh for asking it's uh totally flattering when anything like that happens man it's Nice to know that like my stupid little opinion might matter to somebody. It's that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well we'll be checking back every month, dude. So awesome, sweet man. Definitely sounds good. All right, awesome. Thanks. It was uh, awesome talking to you guys, man. And uh, like I said, thank you again. I really appreciate it. All right, thank yeah. you. Take care, man. No Have problem. a good night. All right, see you guys. See you. Later.